The meeting of the small council shall commence. And always talk about getting his break then. Jager bombs. And that's when I realized that I was in the woman's bathroom. Jager bombs! <laughs> Full ass, baby. Full ass. Derek's impression is incredible. A lot of people have said that. You look at the polls. Monsters in my closet? Yeah. He heard me scream, oh yeah! Go at everything full ass. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of Rob Opinionated. I'm Robbie. In this episode, I sit down with two of my good longtime friends, Derek and PJ, creators of the band Grand Ave, which you can find on Spotify. We're going to talk a little bit about their band, what got them started, some of the funny stories along the way, and stuff on those lines and that nature. So I hope you enjoy. Let me know. Cheers. Cheers. Well, dilly 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 to both of you. Dear listeners, it is after long delay and low demand that Rob Pinionated (laughs) is back. And I'm overjoyed to be here with my good friends, Derek and PJ, creators of the band Grand Ave which has attained a pretty sizable following in the Central Coast and elsewhere. I hear you guys even have quite a few fans in Australia. Um, Well, they've been at it for a few years now, performing at the Fremont Theater, the Pauly Royal Rodeo, and they were the first band to perform at McClintock's Country Bar in nearly 10 years. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah, dude, happy to be here again. Thanks for having us on, Rob any old time Derek my pal so guys from your point of view I was hoping you could give us the cliff notes version of how the band got started and some key steps along the way that made it feel real to you the origins of Grand Ave what a story it was the year was 2015 I believe we were sophomores Uh, we met through our fraternity Eternity in college, Theta Chi, Cal Poly, shout out. Um, Robbie, PJ, and I all pledge in the same class. So we kind of just got to know each other a little bit during that process, but it wasn't until our sophomore year that we lived in the same apartment complex that we both realized we had a passion for country music and writing songs. So it pretty much just started as a fun thing that we would do when we had some free time get together and jam a little bit and PJ had been in some bands in high school and was into songwriting and producing music and I thought that was pretty cool so we started writing songs together and he would show me what he knew and we'd come together with some song ideas and that was where it started it wasn't until our junior year that we made it official uh, with the title Grand Ave and um, PJ could talk more about what where our first gig was and kind of where we went after that but yeah, basically. So what happened was we, we had started playing together pretty consistently and writing stuff. And as Derek said, I had I had all the equipment and the PA stuff from being in a band in high school and it was just sitting in my room. And so we were like, OK, well, let's uh, let's do we have no reason not to, basically. And so we um, we signed up for a farmer's market. And the uh, great thing about farmer's market is you actually have to pay them to play. So I think we paid them like 40 bucks um to get a spot on one of the streets i think tour or something and um that was the start of it all man we brought the pa system we made a little three-hour set list and practiced it and uh, people came man we have a picture of our first gig where there was people standing around and um and watching it's a pretty cool picture um 
but yeah, man, people came and we, we figured, Hey, we, we sound good together. We got, you know, good harm harmonized, good well together. And so that, uh, turned into grand Ave. Yeah. And now it's been a few years since then, obviously. And what part are you most proud of or most excited about after this whole experience? I would say, I would say the, the songs and the content that we were able to, to come up with, I would say the, you know, whatever five, five songs that we have on, on Spotify and the whole process of making those and working with the guys over at the sauce pot. And, and then uh, most notably, probably the music videos that we did with platinum Pete, which I'll dare talk about, but. Yeah, those music videos were top notch. Shout out to Platinum Peak for that. Derek, uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I, I just think the most memorable thing for me would probably just be would be creating the whole thing and seeing how it played out. And we had zero expectations going into it that you would even play another time. So for us to start with no expectations and just really for the love of music and to see it grow into something where we were getting uh, regularly um, and releasing our own original music and on top of that putting out high quality music videos and, and getting local press and opening for major label artists like Granger Smith. It was a pretty cool journey for two guys that really didn't have any expectations. So I think looking back, coolest part for me is just seeing what it became. And at this point, PJ and I are both pursuing music as a career, as our goal. And we basically are for, forgoing other opportunities um, that we studied in college to, to do music. So it's a pretty cool thing how none of us thought we'd ever be here, but here we are years later, um, trying to pursue it as a career. So. Yeah. I, I remember when you guys were first talking about it and who would have known, who would have known, who would have guessed it, that you'd be where you are, have opened for the people that you've opened for played at Poly Royal of all places and Fremont theater. And it's been an exciting run. That's for sure. I mean, your, your music videos are as good a quality as some of the professional grade music videos out there. That's because you have a professional company on your team there. Um, Derek, what's your favorite song that you guys have either performed or come up with yourselves? Hmm. Well, let's go with favorite song to perform. I think a, a staple in our set list has always been Make Me Wanna by Thomas Rhett. That was a song that we put in when uh, when Granddad was just PJ and I as a duo. We used to play in the, in the bars, little bar gigs. And uh, we had, had these cool wireless microphones. So PJ would play the guitar part and I would walk around the bar and mix it up with people in the audience. So that kind of became a fun one to play. And then when we got the guys in the full band, uh, it really took on a new life because it was a super good groove and it just gets the crowd moving. And I feel like we all play it and sing it well. So favorite live song is probably that Thomas Rhett song. Favorite song we have ever released um that's a tough one i like them all for different reasons but i'd probably say 805 summertime just because it's a it's the classic around the central coast it's kind of what started it all and uh i think it's a pretty good song it's a fun one um and it's probably the song that we're still known for so i'd say 805 summertime i'd, I'd agree but pj what do you say i would say just to be different with uh with Derek on that one, I like, <clears throat> I, I loved, always loved playing Make Me Wanna. I think we both really loved playing that song. It was always kind of like, okay, we finally made it to this song. Like the nights were good, you know what I mean? Um, at the end of that three hour set. I think playing Sweet Caroline was always a good one. Cause I mean, you'd be standing in blast and there's a big window behind you and 
you're playing Sweet Caroline and the people that are in line to go to the bar next door at Motav are, you know, still singing along or saying what's up. So that was really cool just to have a song where people got that involved. But uh, I think the songs that are my favorite are honestly some of the ones that never got released or never got um, attention, you know, <laughs> songs like Shower Sex and, um, you know, I mean, there was, there was plenty of, plenty of them that we would come up with naked stranger in my t-shirt. Um, <laughs> that will never be released either. So never oh, be man, released. The inside uh, scoop but, here. Uh, those are, those are some of the good ones that, um, you know, I wish, you know, those are the moments I wish I could go back to where we're just screwing around and when you're actually trying to write that song or those songs and you come up with those, those funny parts and, um, yeah, we had some good times with those. Um, what do you think, PJ, I'll start with you. What do you think the worst experience you've had in this process was? In the whole process of creating the band, going on gigs, rounding up people. I mean, I could think of a few of them, but I don't want to, I don't want to put my spin on it just yet. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what yours, what yours are. Cause I'm no, I'll let you go first on that. Um, no, yeah, I'll definitely. I mean, there's, there's lots of ups and downs definitely i mean things you have certain problems when it's just derek and i and you have certain problems when you add three more guys to the band and um i think some of the some of the roughest times though were those gigs where literally nobody showed up i think there was a few we had one gig uh at the quad on campus at cal poly and it was supposed to be like this event that they were having and the weather ended up being kind of bad, which is pretty rare for, for slow. And I, there was literally, literally zero people <laughs> out there watching. Like, absolutely. Like, I think Jack came by with a couple of buddies for like a song or two and then left. And I, like, there was literally nobody out there. And so to load all that stuff up and get it out there, get everything set up, do the sound check and all that, and then just have not, nobody out there. And there, there's a few gigs like that, you know, but and I mean, you still... You still you didn't planned get paid for that, right? You didn't even get paid for that gig. No, no, we didn't get paid for that. I think that was the one gig where we were like, "All right, uh, we're not doing free gigs anymore. This is we're on a we're on a level where we are good enough and we are in, in enough demand that we can't play gigs where nobody's showing up and we're not making any money." So, um, and like, yeah, like I said, there's a few gigs like that, and it's a difference when it's just me and Derek, you know, and you know, we just got two two acoustic guitars showing up, and there's hardly anybody there. It's kind of just more for us at that point, but. Uh, that was that was a rough one for sure um yeah and then you know just having two guys in in, in at the front of a band and trying to figure out our roles and you know complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses and and trying to you know that wasn't an easy process it was <clears throat> kind of a push back and forth a grinding process where it was like okay well you're better at this and you're better at that and that's kind of something that we had to learn the hard way because we were both growing and learning in that space at the same time um you know so there was stuff there and then you know, obviously when, like I said when you add three guys then you add you know you had three more schedules that you got to work with you had three more level of musicians that you got to work with um so there were you know times in that where you get frustrated with yourself you get frustrated with each other you get frustrated with the other guys in the band and um you know at the end of the day you just gotta remember why you're doing it and I mean, when you're on the roof of AGR playing a gig and all that stuff just fades out the back because, you know, <laughs> it's nothing, nothing more fun than that. So, yeah, we should go back and tell, tell us a little bit more about that. But Derek, what do you what do you think that your worst experiences were like? 
Man, PJ, I mean, he, he said it right. There's a lot of highs and lows. And you hear about band drama when you're just a normal, you know, a normal person reading it in the news or whatever, and you think it's dumb. But it really exists. <laughs> it's a real thing, man. Managing people's relationships and, like PJ said, different roles in the band and strengths and weaknesses and egos. It's very real. It's like you're in a relationship, but you are in a relationship to a certain extent um, with one person. And, you know, we had a band full of five people, so it is difficult. Ups and downs, um, times of frustration, being pissed off, and other times where it's just pure joy when you're when you're playing a great show. What stands out to me is one of the worst moments was uh, we had a gig at McClintock's. It was, I think, our third time playing there, and uh, the time before we played was literally my favorite show of all time. We crushed it. We rocked the place. They were so happy to have us. There was a line out the door a mile long. That was like so one of the longest lines rolled, I've ever seen at that bar, too. Yeah, we kind of rolled in there, coming in hot. We all decided to wear matching overalls, you know, looking cute. And uh, <laughs> we had the most technical difficulty that I've ever seen a band have. Anything that could go wrong went wrong. PJ's pedal board, which is very critical to the whole thing, how he gets his guitar tones, decided to take a take a crap halfway through the gig. So we had to take a break and literally trying to splice wires together and wrap them in a crowded, dimly lit bar. And then we got it working and it'd be like, oh my God, we're saved. And then five minutes later, it would go out again. Um, we had a terrible mic feedback issue. One of the mics just stopped working. Um, so we sounded like crap. And uh, at one point, PJ <laughs> had to go take a crap. So... Uh, I was left to sing a song where usually he sings the chorus and I sing the verses because uh, he has a little bit higher, higher range than I do. So I didn't realize this when we started the song. So when we got to the chorus, oh, it was horrible. I was basically between shouting at the top of my lungs like a Michael Jackson, <laughs> or singing it super low. And people at one point literally said, ox, ox chord. And it, threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that. So that threw me off. And uh, we left pretty dejected, pretty, pretty disappointed in ourselves and uh, easily the worst gig we've ever played. And PJ's um, just sitting on the crapper, humming along, having a great time. Yeah. Funny. The funny part about that one is, is that if you know McClintock's or anything about a bar, really, you know that the line for the, the bathroom is super long. So I had no idea what the next song was. And it ended up being tequila was the song that Derek was attempting to sing. <laughs> and I was I was right about to go into the bathroom and I heard that it was tequila <laughs> and uh, it was one of those moments where I was like I, I can't just ditch this line and go help sing this song so I was just listening to it from afar and uh, just kind of laughing to myself because that was kind of the tipping point where it was just like everything had gone wrong and it was you know one of those moments where you're just giggling to yourself like oh my god this is the cherry on top of this whole night that we've had and um, you know, but it makes for a good story, and uh, um, I, I always love playing in McClintock, so. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, you guys. Um, <laughs> I remember being there when you two got your first ever piece of fan mail. Can you, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about that? I was thinking about that today, because where I'm at is neighboring up to a, another apartment, but I'll let Derek tell that story. I don't even really remember. I think I, I think I think you could you probably know better than I do. 
I will. I think I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but um, we this, at this point we were <clears throat> practicing in the garage at Choro. We were paying you guys like what eighty bucks a month or something. To, I think it was like. Practice. 40 to 50 it was 40, just 50. enough for a couple bottles of stoli yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we got all the time is that lemon stoli paying you for some paying you for some booze so we could that was absolutely cars. foul and you had it on on, on deck every time we, we had it on tap it was, it was not foul it was delicious but oh man um anyway so yeah we were playing we were paying you guys however much to play in the garage at choro excuse me and Choro was, you know, right in the middle of slow, basically. So it wasn't quiet at all. We had a full drum kit and until we got the electric kit, but we had a full drum kit and everything, the whole PA system set up in there. And so it was loud. And we had people come by and say, hey, you guys sound good. You guys sound good. And then at one point, Piff came downstairs with a letter in his hand. And it said, hey, I found dear, like dear residents of Choro or dear Grand Ave, I found a gig for your shitty band. Um, it's at it's like Johnny's School for the Deaf. <laughs> it's like somewhere locally. It was, they just absolutely roasted us like in the most polite way, just like sincerely your neighbors. Um, yeah, and that was the first piece of fan mail that we ever got, I think, and uh, very memorable. I, I don't know if we have that somewhere, but we should have kept that. I hope whoever wrote that is listening at some point. <laughs> that made my whole day when you guys got that letter. And, uh, deaf. <clears throat> I mean, if they heard how it sounds, oh, and I don't blame them. <laughs> For everyone if, that if doesn't you, know what that, that song, is. If you, if you heard that song now, though, they'd probably like it. Well, yeah, but then the... Anyway, how it sounds, quote, how it sounds, unquote, was one of the early, early songs of Grand Ave. And before being fixed, it was terrible. Well, it wasn't oh, yeah. totally terrible, but listening to it a million times was terrible. It became a meme. It became a meme in the friend group. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing about writing songs is, is they suck for a long time when you start out. I mean, I cringe when I listen to some of the songs that we wrote early on. It's like, oh, oh my God, this is terrible. So it's a process, and luckily, we were able to go back and rewrite how it sounds, and it's actually in a place where it sounds pretty. Good. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, but, no, no, uh, I remember. Not. I think the first song that PJ and I wrote together was a song called "Feel It." Is that right, oh, PJ? Yeah. Oh man, it was just. I'll sing. I'll sing the hook. I wanna feel it. Wanna feel it too. I wanna feel it. Wanna feel it with you. Let's not sing any more of it, but I think we right. get the gist. So uh, we were at like a bonfire or something with all, all the buddies, and we're like, hey, we wrote this song, we're going to play it for you. And then we played it, and everyone just like, cool, man. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a song. <laughs> You're correct. That is the song. The classic, oh, yeah, I'm your friend. I don't want to break your heart, but that song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Having been there since day one, I definitely was one of your guys' biggest critics. So I'm happy to have been there for you when you needed someone to tell you how bad you were. Yeah, it does help. And uh, still waiting on my spray tan, but <laughs> one of these days. I'm um, just going to send you a bottle of tanning lotion at some point. I need it. I need it desperately. The days are getting shorter. 
Um, for, uh, for the listeners that don't know, Robbie was our fake band manager. Fake? Who would talk in an accent and always talk about getting his break in. Going to get you I guys actually, some spray tans. And- <laughs> I actually was at McClintock's one time and a girl walked up to me and she said, hey, are you in Grand Ave? And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm their manager. <laughs> she really liked that. It worked out yeah, perfectly. I never talked to her again. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's some. Uh, I'm really loving the stories. Um, I want to kind of keep them going before I get into some other questions. Do you have any other stories of Grand Ave, not personal stories, but Grand Ave stories that you'd want to share other than what we've already discussed? Because we've only touched on the surface of it right now. You know, it's just, I'll never forget the first time that we ever practiced together was, it was like life changing for me because I never played with a band before. I'd always just been like a bedroom musician or playing PJ acoustic. So the first time I ever plugged my guitar and played with a full band and had the bass there and the drums and other guitarists, it was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I really, kind of in that moment, I was like, wow, I I really enjoy this. This is a huge passion of mine. Like at this, you can't get this feeling doing anything else, at least for me. It's that, that much of a rush, a thrill to be able to play with other musicians and it's just a real a real treat and a real privilege so that was a, a game changer for me playing with the full band yeah and to work to work with guys like evan and, and joey too who are both very diverse and developed musicians i mean evan is an insane bass player and you know he knows he knows his stuff and he can pick anything up and not to mention he's a great performer too and and joe too behind the drums has just got so much energy back there i mean it was just like we said it couldn't have worked out any better and um it was it was it was that that clicking moment where you're just kind of like okay we're gonna do something with this and we're gonna we're gonna go see some things and and play some cool places and that's when it happened so that was cool yeah it was good times it worked out really well for you guys and uh made a lot of good memories for a lot of a lot of good people out there and slow myself included uh, happy to have been yeah. a small part you mentioned uh, some stuff stories and there's this other it's not much of a story but we would play at a, a place called blast tap room blast 825 tap room downtown slow and uh these two this couple would always come watch us it was ali and matt they would always come watch us and we were like they're like our first two fans we're like what these people come out? they already saw us why do they want to come back and see us they'd show up all the time and and get kind of buzzed and then no, it was just a good time and once in a while we would run into the guy matt downtown and he was always tanked every single time he was pretty pretty drunk and he would see us and he would just go jaeger bombs <laughs> and he would find us across the bar and he would buy us jaeger bombs we just called him jaeger bomb guy after a while because anytime he'd see us downtown no matter where we were he'd buy us jaeger bombs so and to this day that's the only time i've ever done jaeger bombs too Jaeger bomb guy. Some of the better payment that you've probably received as a band, I might say. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those aren't cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jaeger bombs. Jaeger bombs. I remember one of one of my notable Grand Ave stories is uh, I remember we were out on the beach and it was me and Piff and Pena and kind of a random group of guys and a couple of girls and I'm sitting there on the beach. 
and um, this this girl Jenny, uh, we were talking, just catching up, and she was like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm trying to do some music, trying to do some, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm gonna do with my life, but I'm playing music at the moment. And she goes, you know, have you heard of this local country band called Grand Ave? And I just remember being like, she has no idea that <laughs> that that's our band. And uh, the girl next to me was like, yeah, that's them. And that moment was like super surreal for me to be like, okay, like I, this is a girl I've never met in my life and she knows who we are and um, actually likes us. And I, I let her kind of look up some pictures and then she realized who it was. But I remember that was one of the cooler moments of, of being in the band and kind of realizing that you're actually having an impact on people around the coast. So, Well, yeah, the whole reason of the band was to pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> like any other form of art, you know. Depends on who you ask, yeah. Michelangelo's <laughs> David, he was definitely trying to get chicks with that. And <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, great times. I think one of my favorite memories of your guys' uh, band was actually when our buddy Piff, we were all at McClintock's, the country bar that we frequented almost every Thursday night and Saturdays most of the time, was uh, our Piff, our, our Piff, our buddy Piff, uh, he knew a lot of people downtown, still does, because he was a bouncer and everybody likes Piff. Everyone that knows Piff likes Piff. So he went up to the bartender at McClintock's and tried to like sneakily request that they play one of your songs that you just released on Spotify. And when that came on, yeah, there was actually people in the bar that were singing along. And that I were just like, I remember seeing the the two faces of you guys hearing your own song play at our favorite bar and people were getting a kick out of it. And that was one of my favorite memories of college, not just Grand Ave, but one of my favorite college memories. Yeah, that was a great time. Oh yeah, dude. And I'm glad we could be part of that. And that's why we did it right there. That's, I mean, that's why I did it. And that's why, you know, it felt good. And that's why we kept going back. And that's why we, you know, suffered through the lows and enjoyed those highs is because those highs were so great. And yeah, yeah and it sounds kind of dumb that playing a, playing, hearing your song in just the local bar would matter that much, but it really was so cool. Like words can't describe it. Just a really cool feeling. Like you said, is to see other people enjoying it, not just our group of friends, was super cool. And when we uh, when we released our first song, um, our, our junior year, end of the junior year, somewhere around there, uh, we went to a rodeo party before the rodeo, and our buddies had added it to their uh, to their rodeo pregame playlist. And uh, they they told me that, and PJ and I was like, I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was the coolest thing that they added our song to the to the playlist. And then when it came on, we both freaked out, even though it was like oh, just yeah. our friend adding it to the playlist. It's like, what? To hear it through the speakers. And oh, it was just so cool. Something so simple can have a big, you know, makes you feel good. Even if it is just your friends playing your song on Spotify, it still feels cool, man. Well, I mean, after the after the guys over at the McClintock's Country Bar, after they played your song and saw the reaction of the crowd there, they put it on their playlist. And then it, it became a regular thing. It was yeah. It was playing almost every week on their typical mm -hmm. Thursday night playlist. And then eventually you guys got to be the first band to perform there in nearly 10 years, if what I understand is correct. And that's that's a big deal. Like, not only were you guys the first people to perform there in a number of years, but when you guys did perform there, other than that one really technically difficult time, yeah, you guys had the lines. I mean, the music was so loud that you were hearing it 
all the way on the other side of town and people were lining up to see it. I remember that vividly. And I remember having a hard time getting back in. And I, I'm pretty sure I tried pulling some strings being like, Oh no, I know these guys like trying to cut line. And I think it actually worked for me. The, the night was a little hazy, but yeah, you know, those were some great times. Yeah, man. That, I think that too, for Derek and I, that second gig at McClintock's where they hyped us and we killed it and stuff. We, we were both out of slow. We had both moved out of slow and we were sitting at the front porch of the Platinum Peak House or the Hustler House at the Hustler High at the time. And the morning after and just kind of sitting there and just talking about it and kind of basking in that moment and, and reliving it and just, you know, those, those are the kind of moments that reinforce that feeling of, you know, is this something that I could really do? Is this something that, you know, I wanted, like, obviously I love this and, you know, like, these moments make it worth it. So, you know, just having those conversations and and having that moment and having those laughs, you know, those are were huge. And I think, you know, with every gig that we did, it just got more and more apparent that we were gonna end up where we are now, so. And you guys have done great. And now you guys are kind of moving on to bigger and better things. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a few questions, but honestly, I think you've answered a lot of them. So. I know you've each been woke. Uh, I know you've each been working on your own personal brands. So, what's next for the each of you? What can we expect to see? Derek, you want to take the head? Yeah. What's next? Um, yeah, like you alluded to, I think PJ and I are both in a place where we really enjoyed our time in the band, and it was a great experience for us. But we're also now interested in kind of doing our own thing musically and exploring that seeing where, where that goes um when you're in a band you kind of have to do what's best for the band whatever song you write uh it's got to fit the vibe of the sound of your band so there was a lot of times where i would write something or pj writes would write something and we would think it's great but it doesn't necessarily fit with grand app like shower and there would have to be uh you know that would not be a song that i would release Ever, but if, if that's more on brand for PJ, then he can go ahead and do that. <laughs> I hope you do change your mind and release that one day because I think it's great. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's just compromises that had to be made to uh, put out songs that work well for the band. So I think we kind of just got to a point where we can totally do that. We're going to continue to do that with the band and work on music that fits well. Um, for granddad, but it's also exciting as an individual to write songs that you just like yourself and to, to put that out under our own name. So I know he's got some tunes ready and I have an EP, a project that's going to be releasing um, over the course of 2021. So I'm really excited about that. It's been a good creative outlet to kind of do a little bit something different from granddad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a uh, to doing that is is uh, Derek James and is a solo act, but like I said, still working on some tunes with Grand Ave. So I think it's just going to be better for the whole ecosystem, having my own music and having PJ's music, and basically just making a fan of uh, making fans of the whole the whole system. So we're both pretty excited about the next step in collaborating, but also moving on to some solo projects too. I agree with with Derek there, and like you said. It we both, we both grew a lot through Grand Ave and uh, as artists, and we both kind of figured out what sound we wanted. And um, I think when you really listen to Grand Ave songs, you can hear kind of, you can hear that over the course of time of where we kind of developed into and how we, <clears throat> you know, turned into the band of what it was. And 
I mean, like Derek said, we're, we're still we're still writing songs. We got another song in the works right now for for Grand Ave that we just both were like, hey, this would be perfect for the band. This fits the vibe, you know, and having that following already is is a huge thing. And it's obviously not as involved since we're both in different places and, and the band is in a, a different a different light. But both of us have developed a lot as musicians and a lot as producers as well. So we're able to, um, you know, deliver more high quality music and, um, you know, kind of develop that. And we wanted, we wanted to save that for the band as well. And, you know, yeah, we're splitting our own ways, but we wanted to, you know, keep that, keep that following and, and put out those songs. So I'm excited about that. And then, you know, the next song we got going for Grand Ave and then, yeah, like Derek said, to just kind of do your own thing and, you know, and, you know, we still chat with each other and bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, I mean, I mean, he's the person I've written with the most just because we've, we've done that. And so we both know how, you know, we think and how we work and kind of what sounds we want. And um, so it's nice to have an ally in that. And um, yeah, but to split off and kind of do your own thing and, and develop your, your sound as a unique artist and, um, you know, have, like Derek said, I, I also have my EP coming out, got a few tunes ready. So I'm working on that. And um, it's just, it's just exciting, man. It's exciting to take the next step and, and grow and you know it, it's a little bittersweet you know to say goodbye to all those memories and and you know, all those times but who knows man if we're all in slow one day man we'll go play McClintock's again and rock the house or something well, I hope that but, day uh, comes yeah, yeah right. who knows I'm sure it will you never know you, you, you know you know man come on man you never know <laughs> come on man you know it is the th throw for a loop Derek I've, I've heard you've got a special knack for voice impressions can can we hear one of your voice impressions because you've got an excellent voice no one can deny that but uh i want to hear your voice make someone else's voice <laughs> world okay, leaders yeah, I I can see your speciality sir <laughs> certain world leaders that run the united states of america i've been told i have a decent impression but um we will try it we will try it and a lot of it quite frankly is the facial expressions it's how you act in the mannerisms, but when you listen to the audio, it's okay. It's not fantastic like it is in person, but when you look at what he's doing in person, it's tremendous. People, a lot of people say this, smart people, very, very many smart people say, Derek's impression is incredible. A lot of people have said that. You look at the polls, all the polls are showing this is an incredible impression. It really is. All right, and see, how's that? Don't be fooled, everyone. That is not his excellent... His Excellency Donald J. Trump. <laughs> that was Derek Rashears. And quite compelling indeed. Um, let's kick it up a notch. Um, PJ, I heard that on the first day of high school, you went into the girls' bathroom instead of the boys' bathroom. Was this some sort of progressive statement for the gender equality movement? Um, no, no, at the time it was not. I uh, remember being a freshman, I walked out of my English room and there was no sign on the women's bathroom because it had fallen off. So I thought, well, I guess it's the men's bathroom or it doesn't matter, you know, it's unisex. So I went in there and there was not a urinal to be found and the girl was coming out at the exact same time and gave me a pretty dirty look. And that's when I realized that I was in the women's bathroom. So. Well, I, I feel your pain. I have entered a woman's bathroom before, but it was not out of a mistake. <laughs> it was because they had a salt scrub for your hands. Um, 
You know, I've also been told by someone very close to you that you used to believe there were monsters in your closet. Is that true? Monsters in my closet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I was when I was pretty young, I, I always had to have the closet door closed. Yeah. Um, I, I had, you know, obviously I've gotten over that now a couple days ago, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, my closet was a walk-in closet and it was always dark, so. And then my sister scared scared the shit out of me in the closet one time, so that didn't help at all. But yeah, and she's actually the one that told me about the monsters in your closet. I'm sure she was. <laughs> yeah, she also she also told me that you hid behind the couch when you first watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. That that scene where they I love Pirates of the Caribbean, but that scene where they all turn into skeletons and walk across the uh, the uh, ocean floor there that that one got me. I can't remember how old I was there, but yeah, I was in theaters when I saw that for the first time when I was a young and I did not have a couch to hide behind, so I can't quite relate. But hey, speaking of monsters, listen, we all have we all have these inner demons that we have to battle. Derek, I've heard you actually have video footage of you battling some of your demons. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I'm I'm an avid sleepwalker. I sleepwalk daily. And do you count your steps when oh. you're sleepwalking? <laughs> I do not, but if I did, I'd probably have a lot of steps, probably getting some good exercise in it. But uh, yeah, I've been known to scream things in my sleep. Just the other, just the other day, my roommate told me that uh, he heard me scream, oh yeah, at like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And I had no idea. I was like, what are you talking about? It must have been a great time. Oh, <laughs> uh, it must have been, but I didn't, I didn't remember. So yeah, kind of a long story, but basically, I knew that I would sleep. I slept, talked as a kid and just as a young man growing up, whatever, you're staying at a buddy's house or family vacations, so-and-so would say, oh, you, you were talking to your sleep last night. So I ended up getting a, uh, a bunch of Amazon gift cards one Christmas. And I thought, hey, I could get like a night vision camera and see like what, I, what I'm saying in my sleep. And uh, so I set this sucker up and I look at it the next day and I had got up and was sleepwalking like multiple times. So I, I recorded myself for a period of time in which I was doing that just about every night, you know, just walking, screaming, ah, ah, thinking I'm, I would think that I would see spiders and just weird stuff. So I put together a little collage, a little video collage of me, you know, hopping up and running to the window and running in and just saying weird things. And, uh, it is somewhat infamous in the friend group, and uh, yeah, to this day, I'm sure I still, sure I still do it once in a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably a nightly thing, and uh, you just decided not to record it anymore because you wouldn't have enough space on your hard drive. <laughs> well, that's all I have on the dirt on you two. Um, I wouldn't call it dirt per se, but PJ, what quote? if any, come to your mind most often? Um, well, since moving to Nashville, um, I would say actually one a quote from Matthew McConaughey after the uh, podcast that you and I listened to where he Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss interviews him on our trip in Oregon. Oh, wait, hold and, on. Uh, we uh, mentioned Tim Ferriss. We have to take a drink. Oh, is that one of the rules for this episode? Oh, it's going to be. Gotcha. By the way, if you're um, listening right now and you don't have a drink in your hand, Put one in your hand promptly. A quote that comes to mind 
would be from Matthew McConaughey from the episode where he Tim Ferriss interviews him and he's talking about going to film school and telling his dad that he was going to go to film school. Um, and just because I kind of had a similar moment, you know, with my dad and, and coming to Nashville where it's kind of out of the normal and, you know, he had a college degree, I have a college degree and you kind of go into do something that you, you know, a dream that you want to chase. And his dad just said, okay, just don't half-ass it. And uh, that's kind of what I've been thinking about a lot lately. I have it written down on my whiteboard in my room to just don't half-ass it. You know, I just think that that's, I mean, there's a million quotes out there that I try to live by, but that's just plain and simple and to the point. And it's especially out here where you've got so many people hustling and and trying to make it happen is just don't half-ass it. So. Yeah, I hope you, I hope you go at it full 100% ass. Full ass, baby. Full ass. Full ass. Go at it full ass. If you take anything away from this listen today, go at everything full ass. Um, okay. Okay. Um, Derek, if you could go back in time to give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say? And when would you say it too? Mm. Growing out your hair is not a good idea. It ain't going to look good. <laughs> For a little back hey, we all told you that, dog. We all told you that. <laughs> Derek grew I out spent, of hair to quite some length. I spent a long time. You weren't the only one, but I had grew out your hair. You know, I'd grow it out and get it to, and I'd cut it back and I'd grow it out. And I just thought it was going to look good. And then I just went for it. And then, whatever, a year, year and a half later, I just looked in the mirror like, yeah, this doesn't look good. So I just <laughs> cut it off. But, um, no, it's a joke. I, let's see. Any anything that I would tell my earlier self? I mean, you know, there's things that you'd always change. I, I would I would encourage myself to look at different look at different things to study in college. It would be more relevant to what I'm trying to do now. Whether that be um, marketing or um, I don't know PR, just getting getting exposure to. Um, or maybe even a, a degree in music business, something that's relevant to this. But, you know, there's no way of knowing that at the time. You kind of kind of figure out your goals along the way. So I, w- I wouldn't really change much. Just uh, maybe be a little bit more, put yourself out there a little bit more. That's about it. Yeah, I think we all struggle with that sometimes. PJ, what about you? Uh, any information that you'd like to give your younger self, if you could? I would, I would say, I would say to my younger self, probably around my junior year to just listen to your gut. I would, I would have said, you know, trust yourself. Cause at that point in time, I, I was in a place where I didn't really trust myself and I was trying to figure that out. And I think looking back, my gut was always right. I knew it was right. My gut. And, uh, you know, that comes to life and in music and in, um, you know, relationships and everything that I was involved with at the time was just that I wish somebody kind of would have smacked me around. And I mean, you guys did at some points, but uh, just kind of been like, hey, you know, listen to your gut because your gut's right and trust yourself. So, man, my only my gut only ever tells me if I'm hungry or not. But uh, what about uh, you, Rob? Yeah, Rob, what about you? Um. I could give advice to my younger self actually this kind of ties into something Derek wanted to ask me about I knew that 
I wanted to be a pilot from a young age, right? I I kind of kept that inside, but I've known since a young age that I wanted to be a pilot. I was always drawing planes from a really young age, and I finally started to pursue a career as a pilot. Um, it's taken me a long time. I, I got caught up in the whole go to college, get a nine to five job, and make make enough money to do what you want to do instead of just do what you want to do and find a way to make you some money doing it like you guys are doing with your band and and your personal brands you guys are making money doing what you want to do and uh that's impressive for you too you you guys have both made money doing what you want to do and that is very impressive for me i want i've wanted to be a pilot and i've started talks with the navy and uh i'm trying now to be a, a naval aviator so i'm going through a lot of studies a lot of tests it's not an easy process there's a lot of paperwork involved but so far so good so i would tell myself that uh you knew what you wanted to do don't fall into the nine to five trap if that's not what you want to do and that's not for everyone some people are perfectly capable of achieving a very good and worthwhile position in a nine to five job. But for me, that's, I, I haven't found that fulfillment. Um, I want to serve the country of the United States. I want to serve it in the Navy and I want to serve it as a pilot, uh, God willing. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not there yet. I've got some tests to take. I've got to prove myself and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really striving towards that. And if I, if I can't do it through the Navy, I will find a way to do it. I will be a pilot. That's, that's all I know. That's awesome, bro. That's great. That's great to hear that. Because uh, when you were going through that period of doing nine to five, I, it just always didn't fit you because you're such an ambitious and adventurous, outgoing person. I always just thought it was, uh, of course, you're capable. You're a smart, capable person. You could totally do it. But I'm glad to hear that you're looking to pivot and follow that because I think that's more suitable for your personality to do that kind of thing. So that's, as a friend, we're very stoked for you that you're that you're going for it and it's cool that even if it doesn't work out with the navy that it's still something that you're gonna you're gonna do that's great great attitude to have about words. it yeah it's uh it's been on my mind for a long time and it feels like a lot of answered prayers have led me in the right direction so i'm, I'm thankful for that um yeah what what's some you guys what's some really bad advice that you've received over the years like what's some really bad advice that you've heard and what would you say differently for that matter? I mean, you know, there's, there's joke stuff and, you know, stuff that Corey Belt and Justin Menz have said to me that I won't repeat. <laughs> um, These are some of our uh, college friends, by the way, that he's yeah. mentioning. But again, you take that with a grain of salt and you know who those guys are. And, um, and both of them are very smart individuals, might I yeah. add. But they have very big person. A man named Corey Bell. Corey Bell once told me the greatest piece of advice. He said, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, <laughs> just the size of your arm hanging out the window. And I, I try to live by that each and every day. Each and every day. And that, that's why you do like 30 bicep curls with your left arm every day right. with like 50 right. pounds. I don't train any other piece of my body except my <laughs> arms. Well, that's all that that's all that matters is the size of the arm hanging out the window. I think it's one of those things that we, we take everybody's, you know, in, in a group like ours that is so close in college, which I don't think a lot of people have, 
Yeah, we're I lucky think, for that. I think we all know each other's flaws and you know, I think I could I think in most situations I could probably tell you what both of you are gonna say if I come to you with the same question. I could pretty make a pretty good guess on what Robbie's gonna say and what Derek's gonna say. And so I, I can take it all with a grain of salt knowing who it's coming from and, and why they're saying it and, and all that. So you do know us both very well. So you've heard a lot of our responses over the years and you can, you can kind of put it in your head what we're going to say. I want to ask you guys, what's the, let's see. If you're asked to do a Ted talk on something, what would you choose as your topic? Or in other words, other than music, what is something you care about that you want to share with other people? Uh, I would say relationships. <laughs> I see you laughing, Durkee. Um, I would say relationships just because I've had such a variety and I don't just mean with, with women, but I mean with, with friends. And I mean, like, even like we were talking about earlier, Derek and I's relationship with the band and my relationship with the other guys in the band. I, I feel like I've had a wide scope of relationships with, with people, with girls, um, and so I, I think I have, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think I have some credibility to be able to say, hey, I, you know, not only do I, you know, kind of know about this, but uh, I lived it and this is what I did wrong. And, you know, I would hope that you would do something different. And that's what my TED Talk would be about is just trying to help others and prevent them from doing the same thing. And I think in a lot of those situations, it was easily preventable, but, um, you know, that's, that's just how it went down. And, I think I would have enough to speak about and enough to share about on that topic. So, yeah, I agree. You know, outside of music, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would have enough credibility to talk about anything, but. Um, well, let's forget about credibility music, for a second. Yeah. Let's, let's just talk passion. What do you, what do you think you would want to talk to other people about if you could, if you had the credibility, let's, for, let's say. It, it's kind of like fake it till you make it, but not necessarily fake it, do your best in something and kind of just go for it and you'll kind of get farther than you think. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the music thing. Cause you know, later in college, people would think, Oh, it's that guy in the band or oh, it's the musician or the singer where I never ever thought of myself as that. I was just some dopey guy that <laughs> would sing in the shower or sing around the house. And then some time passed and I put effort into something and I wasn't necessarily faking it, but I was new to it and didn't know much about it. Um, and pretty soon in other people's eyes, I was a singer for, for, uh, per se. So it'd probably just be about that line of thinking of don't always hold other people into such high regard because they're doing something. Oh, I can never be like, I can never be like that singer for example oh they're so good they're so talented they're not even like me they're just something special but really everyone everyone's a person and if you want to do something you can take small actionable steps and find the information you need to at least have some some shred of success depending on how much work you're putting into it whether that's success in your friend group success locally in your state whatever so fake it till you make it kind of thing, but also put, put work and effort into something that you like and you can achieve it and you can be more credible than you think. Finishing up questions for you folks, fellas, for ladies. Um, is there anything you've changed your mind about 
in recent years? Like anything big that you've come to a conclusion on that has changed your mind? Well, I would say that I just don't know anything. Um, you know, you're going to go through that phase when you're younger and you sure you're, don't. You're, I don't. <laughs> you're a teenager or whatever. And I don't know, you just, you think you know things and then you just have life experience and you travel and you meet people and you meet people that are way, you know, way, way more traveled than you, way more experienced than you. And I don't know, that's kind of been my biggest thing is these last couple of years is just, well, especially this last year, just, it's just getting over my ego, honestly. And that's something I never thought I'd have to do. And I, I really didn't think about ego very much, but uh, the more I sat down and realized it, it was just like, I just need to get over myself and number one, go pursue this dream that I can't ignore anymore. And, you know, number two, just have an open mind again and, and be a learner and be a student. So I would say that's my biggest transformation mentally. Gotcha. Derek. Um, I would say not be, not be so quite as rigid. I, I remember in high school and just growing up, I was always a good student and put a lot of value in doing well in school and getting a really good job and doing something like math or science. And I don't know, I just always thought that people that didn't do those kind of like core studies or something with a, with a good job title just weren't weren't as motivated or weren't as smart as other people but in my process of trying to be a musician I learned that just because you're this or that that doesn't doesn't mean anything really it comes down to you know how hard you're willing to work at what you want and just because you're a creative person let's say you're a musician doesn't mean you're dumb I kind of thought that like oh you're gonna meet a band like you're burnout you're not going to achieve anything. I, you know, I was always the kid that wanted to get straight A's and do really well in school and be a doctor. And now here I am yeah. saying no to corporate job offers to, to, to be broke and try to be a musician. So that's been a big change in my, my mental thinking, not try to be so judgmental and look, look at titles, but look at how people treat others and, you know, live their lives and how, how good at they are at their craft, whether you're a, uh, STEM major and engineer at Cal Poly, or if you're an artist in the band. Well said. Well said indeed. Final thoughts. Do uh, you guys have any requests to the audience? Is there anything you'd want to tell the audience or maybe your future self? Follow, Follow me Instagram. on Instagram. <laughs> Is that what you're going to say, PJ? <laughs> plugs, yeah. <laughs> Oh, where can we find you? You can find me at Derek James underscore music on Instagram, DerekJMusic.com. That's smooth. Yeah. Uh, future self. Keep, keep going, buddy. Got, got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> My socials are PJ Repetto underscore music on Instagram. Go follow Grand Ave if you don't already, because that's where our collective work will be or PR Entertainment and PREntertainment.com. You can find everything Rob Pinionated there as well, um, as well as some other, other art forms and uh, other artists and everything Grand Ab is doing as well. So yeah, thanks for having us on, Rob. Any old time. Huge thanks to, uh, to Rob Pinionated for having us on the pod today. Longtime friend, Which... colleague, and uh, 
Great time, Rob. Thanks for having us on and uh, hope to do it again sometime. Yeah, the pleasure was all yours. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I love you guys. Glad you uh, got to see. Glad we got you. Yes, it's. I, I wouldn't be here without you two. I can honestly say that. I know that you two have had a huge influence on my life, my work ethic, my enjoyment of my college years. So I appreciate you both very thoroughly. It's been a, it's been a blast. Thanks for coming on. Until next time, Rob out. Well, that is it. Thanks for listening. Please send any feedback or discussion topics you'd like to hear to me on social media or at my email. This episode was brought to you by PR Entertainment, and you can find PR Entertainment at prentertain.com or pr underscore entertain on Instagram. Again, thanks for listening. This is your captain signing off.